Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball in the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Big news coming out of the Premier League here. Our teams, Cardiff City and Fulham, are tied. <laughs> and they're tied at one win, two losses. No, it's two draws and seven losses. They're not good. They're not good at the game of soccer. I want to highlight two things. One, the bad news first. Cardiff already lost to a team in the English League Championship this year which is very bad news. If you're not familiar, the English League Championship is the league just below the Premier League that the top three teams get promoted to. From, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they may have already lost to the team taking their spot. But spot of good news here, (laughs) Cardiff beat Fulham. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I saw that. I almost put that into the... the, um, into one of our outlines when it happened. And I was like, no, I'll wait to see into, see when Mike figures it out. Okay, World Series. I will, I'll give you the congratulations. You were worried that you might have to seek silver lining somewhere, but you don't. Red Sox won. And in five games. So one game better than you thought they would do. I, I predicted one of three outcomes, and basically it was the gentleman sweep. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was the very much the gentleman sweep. I, the Dodgers, and the only game that the Dodgers won was the 18-inning crazy one. Yeah, I, I mean, the Red Sox, everybody was worried about the Red Sox overplaying their hand, going for the jugular in, in, right. in that game. Which I, I was as well, because they looked, they looked exhausted. Both teams looked exhausted the next day. Yeah, I agree with that. The game was totally different (laughs) because of that was it was sluggish i would say you just see these batters just like standing up there like zombies and watching the ball go by them it's like well yeah and you're watching eduardo rodriguez start a game and you're like huh this is an interesting situation yeah i don't want to talk about the managerial stuff okay that was going to be my question i was just going to ask you what well it wasn't necessarily the managerial stuff just more of what you think the what you think we can read from the tea leaves for pitchers going forward i mean is this a new is this a new strategy i know we've talked about this extensively before but we have a new we have new data points now you know we saw baseball on the most prominent stage using arguably the most aggressive pitching tactics it's playoff baseball though i don't think that that that's not going to translate into regular season baseball it just can't I think that baseball has formed into what it does in terms of like five starting pitchers. You're going every fifth day. I think there's there's a rhyme and a reason to it because you don't want to overuse, don't want to have too many players. Um, and you can't, I don't think that you can have, um, I don't think that we're going to get to the point where it's like matchup driven 
to the extent that you're bringing in Chris Sale two days after he starts, you know, in the regular season. What I think is more likely, if that were to happen, we're all of a sudden go going to go from like five man rotations to like six or seven man rotations. I could see that. I ah, man, that's an interesting thought. But as you can tell from the broadcasters and the and the MLB, like not having a clue about modern fans like they're trying they're trying to figure out how to cut down on this how to keep it how to be conservative with baseball how to keep it the way it was in 1995 without the steroids Man, now that's a that's a really interesting point because i would argue that apart from the apart from the physical pause while a pitcher change happens that it makes for more compelling baseball to see all these changes. It it does. And you just if we could just figure out how to if we could figure out how how that lag just didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's I I think that might be one of the things that we need to do is just like okay, pitcher, here's it here's the pitching change. Go. You, you don't have any warm-up pitches on the mound. Just go. <laughs> you you are warming up. Go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, aren't you warm? I, I, I will say that I thought that during the World Series, actually, that they kept the time of the pitching changes down. Like, none of, I didn't think that any of them felt particularly egregious. Well, it's because you also had all those ad breaks and stuff. So they were, they were inundating you the entire time. The ad breaks were weird. My big, yeah, the ad breaks, there were a lot of ad breaks. But my big thing is these games were too late for the East Coast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For the demographics that watch baseball, this is too late. Even setting aside the game that ended at three thirty Eastern. Even yeah, even if you were to just like say, shit happens for that one, like the games were just too late. I can't stay up till midnight for every single for every single like, game. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I appreciated that they hit up on the broadcast a lot was that first year Red Sox managers win World Series the. Three of the last four Red Sox managers won a World Series in their first year. So the the analyst in me is wondering, does that mean they should just get a new coach every year? It's not a bad idea, Michael. I mean, it's not like they're it's not like they're winning the World Series three quarters of the time. Data so. science at its finest. <laughs> you are so right. This is what, this is my hot take doing? analysis right now. Alex Cora, get out of here. We need a new manager because three out of four of them went. That is so true. Jeez. All right. We got a good part of our discussion in there on the World Series. Other things that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk a little bit about our off-season goals now that baseball is officially over, and we'll talk something some about the off-season storylines that we want to watch. So here we go. I put together a laundry list of off-season goals, and they're all over the place, frankly. <laughs> they are okay. they're just straight up stream of consciousness. Um, and I just want to shoot through these and get get a sense of what you think is is interesting and what you think we should we should put aside or we should never touch or I you know any of these things. Okay, Borges. <laughs> and then I think that'll segue nicely into ideas about uh, what we want to what we want to watch in the off season storylines and how we can we can make those mesh with our goals. I really want to keep up with the news because I feel so often in previous years, I've gotten to spring training and like, what? 
that happened? Like, when mm-hmm. did that happen? Mm-hmm. And if I can reduce that, then I can spend more of spring training doing the pointless analytics that I actually want to do. Yeah, I know. There's sometimes where where it's like, I mean, to the listeners pulling the curtain back, it'd be like, Mike is like, yeah, I can't believe that this player on this team is like, yeah, Michael, that, uh, sorry to tell you that he moved. Yeah. <laughs> No, that that is totally valid. There is a there has been a a disconnect. <laughs> I've been I've been very historically bad at free agent following and signings. Well, it's sort of hard because um, the NBA has gotten very good about keeping the buzz from you have the NBA Finals and then basically the as Bill Simmons says the pre agency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pre-agency basically starts there so you know a lot of these players who are um malcontents and who are upset and who want to who want to make some changes so who who the names are and there's so many fewer names um it's a lot easier to track and then all of a sudden free free agency happens and you're like okay and then you hear the news and you're like already primed for it but this it's like you kind of you have the world series and then it's hurry up and wait until the uh winter meetings yeah and then and then all of a sudden you get inundated with like the hot stove stuff which i think we did better the year before last following the hot stove and then you know that doesn't hardly anything comes to fruition (laughs) yeah and i think i i'm curious to know whether this year is going to be similar to last year or not in the sense that like somebody like JD Martinez didn't sign until late February last year. Mm-hmm. But in previous years that hasn't necessarily been been the case. So I think in part I speaking as somebody who likes to make computers do all my work would like to farm out as much do of it. that awareness as possible. One of my off-season goals is to hack up something to um help disseminate the news to me. I don't know exactly what that's going to be. But I think it's going to work. I think that I'm going to work on just news scraping algorithms in general. That sounds um, that sounds great. Uh, another goal, I want to get better at StatCast. Uh, I have mm-hmm. a scraper now that just raw pulls down an unreal amount of data, and I have nothing to do with it yet. Yeah, I, I've noticed that. <laughs> Thank you, you. get like so excited on the StatCast because it, it's so cool, and it's really hard to figure out what what we can use it for in like a meaningful way. Cause it ends up being each time we do the stack cast stuff, it's like, it's so much work just getting the data. This is a, uh, we've talked about this and complained about this before so much work to just get the data and into the shape that we want it. And your work has been great. I think we finally solved that problem All and right. now, but now it's the actual Herculean task of designing the model that that data goes in. Because there's so many components to to a good model, um, because there's there's so many variables. I'm thinking about like I'm thinking about pitch selection, like how you pitch to individual players. Like we we sort of tried to get around this a little bit when we modeled the the outcomes where we put players into groupings and I think into clusters. And I think we're gonna need both pitchers and hitters in clusters in order to make progress with StatCast. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of doing teams, we're going to have to go to an even more granular level and look at players, individual batters. Well, I mean, if we if we get this pretty clean on the team side, 
then we can try to disaggregate it. Let's get it clean on the team uh, side because I like that model. I, I think that it's cool. I, I just don't want to. I just don't want to start counting trees before we um, figure out how to count forest stands. It's a remote sensing reference for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right. We should build. We should build out the team one, and I think we have a, a decent model in place. Um, I think it could use a lot more revamping. I would like to throw in some some better inference. Um, I have down here that that I think Algorithm Club should should try out some Bayes models, and I think this is a case where a Bayes model would actually help more than the frequentist Monte Carlo. As much as it pains me to say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. It really does Man, hurt. Man, I'm in. It really does hurt. Man, all this stuff is exciting. It is all exciting. I mean, and maybe maybe this discussion should have been framed as like a, how do we accomplish all of this stuff in the off season? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have to sketch it out. We, <laughs> we do. We do. And then, yeah. and then my last thing here is that in addition to, I just sort of swept the algorithm club under the rug. I think we should continue a little bit more algorithm club. I want to challenge myself again to work on plotting clearer figures and specifically moving more towards the interactive figures. As with as in our grand fantasy tools tradition, we carried a project all the way to the barest completion of our online plot <laughs> <laughs> and then dropped yep. it and then didn't touch it again and haven't thought about it. Yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard to keep these threads going because we get... <clears throat> We get distracted by the news of the day. Yeah. <laughs> we get distracted by our careers. We, yeah. <laughs> we just said it a second ago. We're, we're like excited about all these things. And that's why it's hard to go back to like, oh, I really should clean up that interactive figure. Like, why doesn't that, why doesn't that one circle render correctly? I'm like, oh, uh, well. Oh, yeah. No, we got it 80% of the way yeah, there. Yeah, or <laughs> I could start thinking about Bayes models. Anyway. Yeah, or the next thing. Ooh, shiny. Here's a true anecdote that includes Halloween and the potential for scraping players' social media. Is Roddy White in the Bahamas gambling during his bye week? I mean, that's the kind of stuff. These are important things for us to know. I mean, that's somebody has to look that up. Somebody's got to tell me. And was he so inventive as to decide to be Lionel Messi, a football player? <laughs> For Halloween. <laughs> I don't see why he wouldn't be. Man, he has not had a, a, another relevant moment since we that saw him. That was his fault. In that casino. That was his problem. All right, so you want to tell me how you think we should keep up with trades and signings? I had put something together for news alert scrapings talking about injuries last year. Just because I don't want to have to, frankly, I don't want to have to deep dive every time somebody gets hurt every day trying to figure out if there's one more piece of information from the beat reporter in Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. (laughs) when Google can do that for me. (laughs) And so I, I built the, I built the trappings of the machinery also, you know, in the grand fantasy tools tradition, it just needs to be designed more intelligently is what I've come down to. Yeah. Okay. Well, how do we, what do we, what do we need to do then? My design is just not that intelligent yet. Yeah, exactly. What do we need to do? I think, I mean, so what What does Google actually give you? Google gives you... The Zeitgeist scraper. Um, I mean, my design on this is that we would test it or we would run it to make sure that it's doing sensible things on some of the big name free agents. So 
I picked five that I think are big name for fantasy in particular mm-hmm. um, because they're they're sort of at the top end and so something something could really matter here but really there's going to be a huge laundry list of free agents that frankly oh, I don't yeah. even know who's yeah. a free agent right now like all of them so here are my five Craig Kimbrell Nate Evaldi Manny Machado Patrick Corbin Bryce Harper it's an interesting list I mean if, if some team wanted to start over and just sign all those guys if they were able to get them at like decent prices that wouldn't be a bad that wouldn't be bad a number number two pitcher number three pitcher a closer here's my here's my point though I think Ivaldi just priced himself out of a lot of markets mm-hmm well he, or he's um setting himself up for failure I think he's setting himself up to get paid I'm not sure what else matters <laughs> I mean this is this is one of the things actually that I was also hoping that I would get better at, which is thinking about mm-hmm. the implications of contracts in the MLB. I mean, I think the best fantasy players think about contracts and what that could mean for where players are going in the future and what's going to happen to them. And I just haven't been able to do that yet. Right. I don't, and a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about how the last season, contract season, that's been the huge, huge thing that people talk about. But, Really, I think it's it's more the other side of the of the contract year. Once you have the contract, like who are the players that are gonna just who are the players that are gonna sit down and just suck? <laughs> yeah, that's like that's... Hanley Ramirez or uh, the Panda. Oh man, yeah, both of them. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know what happens with this. I think the the last year thing is is testable. We can we can test that if we really want to. My sense is that it doesn't matter, but I could be totally wrong. I mean, it didn't certainly didn't matter for Bryce Harper this year, <laughs> right? And it didn't. It right. didn't really appear to change Manny Machado's play. But apparently, Patrick Corbin took it seriously. Patrick Corbin understood what he should be doing, but Craig Kimbrell kind of didn't either. I mean, I would. I mean, he had a re- no. He had a really good year. He had a really Craig Kimbrell re- year. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think that that means that his value is down slightly from where it was before the season started. True. Oh, yeah, no, it's down right now. Yeah, no, he lost him money. And that's what's so great, and, you, and you're trying to pull this out of me, is the World Series really did affect a lot of people's values. I'm not necessarily trying to pull it out of you, but I think that that's... I mean, three of the people on this list played in the World Series. Yeah. I think that all of their stock changed <laughs> so okay some players that you haven't included in here that i'm surprised about brian dozier is he going back to minnesota he's not no no <laughs> it, 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 i'm interested to see where he goes david robertson that's gonna that's a closer for somebody uh, yeah zach Britton. yeah andrew miller could be a closer There's, this is going to be the the year of closers changing a changing of the guard yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, and that's, in, in part, that's why I thought that Craig Kimbrell was interesting to highlight because there are going to be so many closers available and relief pit, relief pitching is changing in general. Like, mm-hmm. there isn't necessarily space for the uh, I need flames to shoot out of the scoreboard before I come in only in the ninth inning, only with three runs. <laughs> you know, that, that space is, that market is smaller in baseball now. Yeah, well... I mean, it's still, I mean, your guy, Edwin Jackson, 
Edwin Diaz. Diaz. And, I mean, Edwin Jackson Edwin was also my guy, Jackson. but totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. There's also Clayton Kershaw, and maybe he, he changes. Maybe he changes people, teams. People have talked about that. I, I don't see that happening. I just, I just don't see mm. that being a thing. All right. All right. Fair enough. We, I also do want to keep up with the manager transitions. Um, I think that that's important too. You, I, you're totally right. We have we've ignored this, and um, and then there are a lot of times come June we're like, well, we should have known that this manager never runs. Yeah. So I want to look back at maybe the past two years of data, look at the managerial styles, and see if we can figure anything out from that. I mean, I think I think I want to. We're not ready to make a manager model, but we're ready to try and identify what variables are interesting in a manager model. Yeah, I just don't. How do we pull that out? I don't know. We're going to be in total data exploration mode. Um, and then on maybe a little bit more applicable, what's up with the minor leagues? We flirted with this yeah, let's get a little that. bit more in the offseason last year. We looked at winter baseball for a week and then dropped it, of course. Uh, it's tough. And we have a wealth of AAA and AA and single A data that we didn't touch this year at all um, in, in contrast to other data. We, need to get we just into. had a lot going on. But I think we learned stuff from it in the past, and there's clear fantasy advantage to knowing what's going on in the minor leagues. Yeah, I think the minor leagues is something that we haven't really um, tackled. Well, we have tried a little bit of tackling and um, is, is going to have a lot more. I think we're going to get a lot more traction than and real life results than the manager transitions. Ooh, maybe we should put more Ooh, effort there. That's interesting. Okay, I'll prioritize that first. Bet box? I'm good with that. Is that a bet box? I have no <laughs> idea how we'd evaluate it, but sure. <laughs> okay, here's the bet box: is that we will find more useful players, diamonds if in the rough. As it were, um, thank you, Aladdin ads, uh, through minor league analysis, then manager transitions. I mean, why bet box that? Because I agree with you. <laughs> oh, okay, All right. there we go. I I think that the the manager transitions is only going to incrementally change the value of players we already know, whereas the yeah. minor league is identifying players that are have not even been on our radar yet. Do you want to double down on what you the um, the four teams versus the field? Oh, dude, I want to double down. This is even <laughs> earlier than you made me do it last year, but I uh, I do. Assuming that I get the free twins one as well, so I don't have to spend a a uh, a spot on that. So you, oh, you just want to use the same ones? No, no, I don't. I okay. want to replace the Astros with the Brewers. I'm just going to take the NLCS teams. The, I'm going to take the, the LCS teams. Take the NLCS. And I give you the Twins for yeah. free. So, but, but I, want the, <laughs> I, want the, I want the Yankees instead of the Astros. So, yeah. Okay, so you're taking the uh, CS teams. Okay, CS teams. Okay, and I get the field. But it's going to be great when the Red Sox repeat. I know. I'm just giving, it, I'm just giving you the bonus here. Come on. All right, you want to wrap this sucker up? I do. Next piece of baseball news that we're going to get is going to be the awards uh, that are going to sort of, that are dribbling out over a period of time. We have 
think we have a couple weeks before we actually see the the real MVPs. But that has not stopped some intrepid person on Fangraphs from trying to apply machine learning to previous years of MVP voting to figure out who it's going to be this year. Just wait. <laughs> that yeah. is a, a waste of time <laughs> to me. <laughs> it really does feel like a waste of time. Uh, but, you know, you know, why not pontificate it? I mean... Do you, do you like what this guy is using? No, I, I don't even know it. I've never even seen that algorithm before. I mean, he's using... Well, he's using... Uh, I've never seen that implementation before. He's using the same algorithm because he's using decision trees that we talked about. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know anything about the implementation. I assume it's the same. It's it's totally straightforward. But, you know, who knows? This is this is pretty wild stuff. Uh, do you want to make any predictions? The The goal of this was to predict the MVPs. I think we, frankly, would have come to the same conclusion that the machine learning did. Um, I mean, let me just cut to the chase. I think it's going to be Mookie Betts and Christian Yelich. I think it would, hard, it would be hard not to. I mean, I think Mookie Betts hurt his case in the World Series in a way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. But... Um, but you're not supposed to have re- you're not supposed to be watching that. You're not supposed theory. to, but people do. But yeah, I would I I like those two. I don't think that. I mean, I would Max Muncie is like my fantasy MVP in a way. Christian Yelich is one. I mean, but like, but on the on the Mookie Betts thing, JD Martinez didn't help his case in the World Series. So, if you if you're talking about considering the World Series, it's not like it's not like JD Martinez increased his stock relative to Mookie Betts. And who else are you thinking about? No, no, I, I, I agree. All right, that about brings us to the review session. The minority report. This, <laughs> all I could think about was, like, what would this movie look like? What would the tech in this movie look like if you made it now? Oh, my God. This is, I love sci- sci-fi movies where it's like they get everything wrong. <laughs> like, just the the way that they implemented the computer screens, like... Did that, I mean, I guess it looked super, like, because I remember 2002 being like, whoa, like, look how different it all looks. But now you look at it and you're like, that all just looks really dumb. <laughs> I mean, I watched on my th- second generation iMac, you know, with the, like, with, like, yeah. the base and then the swivel <laughs> monitor. Like, and then watching that and, like, seeing those those uh, computer screens, like, oh, that's so, that's such a cool idea. But, like, that's... I mean, really? And then, like, data files on, on glass? I hate huge that. things. Like, huge pieces. Like, nobody conceived of a USB stick at the time. <laughs> or, like, a, an SD card, even. I mean, like, anyway. the uh, But the, the hologram, I thought, was the most disappointing part of tech. Or, like, the, you know, the oh, 3D yeah, the... videos. Like, oh, that's what it looks like in 2054. Like, yikes. We've done something horribly wrong. Wow. We, yeah. I totally agree. It's very funny because you jumped into the exact thing that I had, um, is the lasting memory of this film is the visual and the tech ideas and, and all of that. And then in watching the movie, I was like, yeah, it's a pretty... I mean, in some ways, it's a pretty basic story that you see in a lot of different, um, you know, when you really, really boil it down. It's like a story that you've seen a bunch of different times. 
but the tech is what makes it really cool and like memorable. I had forgotten so much of it, yep. like the kid dying. Thank you for making me watch a, a movie where the kid forgot dies. about that part. Yep, um, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that that was like the big premise. Yeah, I, like all these different things, but I, it was like so of the era though of the like Patriot Act concern and fear era. Sometimes a movie like comes out the perfect. It would have been a better dystopian movie if they ended it with with just him getting put in the vault. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was also I was thinking about that. Like, did we need this happy ending? I don't know. Or did we did we need uh the three eyed raven to get away with it? <laughs> so good. His voice is so awesome. The three eyed raven. Yeah. Like, oh man, the three eyed raven is, has been getting up to some stuff and or the the random yeah. his random role in Star Wars. I was like borderline whether this was going to be an appropriate movie. It's a little bit more sci-fi than, than the than fantasy, really. But then, as soon as the three-eyed raven was in there, I was like, "Yep, <laughs> we are G to G." Yep. All right. So where are we going next week? Don't we have to do the Nightmare Before Christmas? I was thinking. I was wondering if you were going to do it. I thought last week was too early, but you're so right. We'll have to watch it tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.